now for your feature presentation. One, or two, or three, or four, five, or five. Happy Thanksgiving week, listeners. I'm your host, ex-video store clerk, screenwriter, and fellow listener, Jason Kleberg, and this is Force 5, a show where I force my guest to come up with a movie-themed top five list topic, and then we reveal our picks on air. Now, Thanksgiving is all about family. I mean, I'm sure some of you will be listening to this very show during your long drives to your parents' house or with earbuds in while you're basting a turkey for your kids. So it's only fitting that I have a pair of brothers on the show today to talk top five single location films. Jacob and Ben Berghart are two very talented filmmakers whose debut feature, Headcount, is available now anywhere you rent or buy films digitally. And trust me, you're going to want to check this out. We'll talk more about that movie and more in a bit here. But first, at the top, I've got some housekeeping stuff. So as I mentioned last show, I sent out a feedback survey to a bunch of listeners and cinematics, and I got some really valuable feedback specifically about the featured review part of the show. Now, the good news is that people seem to like the reviews, which is good news for me, too, because I like doing them. Nobody said to get rid of them, but about 40% of people said they'd prefer them as bonus episodes, and some even said that they skipped past the review to get to the top five list, which I guess kind of makes sense because that's the purpose of the show. So I'm going to try something different here. I'm going to try doing these as bonus episodes for a bit, and we'll see how it goes. So please send me your feedback on that. Next Monday, be sure to tune in for my review of the new Martin Scorsese film, Killers of the Flower Moon. As for the fake ads, a lot of you didn't even realize I ran fake ads, probably a reflex just hitting the skip button forward anytime somebody reads an ad, but I have a lot of fun with them. I may work them into the top five topics somewhere since it doesn't really work at like the very beginning or the end of the show. So we'll see how it shakes out. I'm going to experiment a bit. The uh, fake ads will be back next week, I think, in in one way or another. So, yeah, going to figure that out. Uh, All right. Without further ado, here's the Berghart Brothers and top five single location films. Welcome back to the Force 5 Podcast. Tonight I am joined by Ben and Jacob Berghart, writers, directors, and producers of the new film Headcount, which you can find for digital purchase or rental right now. Guys, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing good. I don't know if Jacob... I cut out for a second. I'm doing good. I'm back. I'm back now. You're not supposed to touch any of the equipment. You just, I saw I did. you touching it. <laughs> He's a tinkerer. Okay He's a tinkerer. I'm okay now, I promise. <laughs> Great start. Good start, yeah. We're all good. We're all good. Now, one of the best things about running a movie podcast is I get a lot of recommendations from listeners. And uh, so I get a message on Twitter from listener and past guest Pete from the Middle Class Film Class podcast. And he's like, hey, man, got a movie recommendation for you. Headcount in 2023. Just dropped six bucks for a rental on Amazon Prime and thought it was a great indie crime thriller. A real writer's movie debut film for the Berghart brothers who wrote and directed it and thought of you when I was watching it. So that, that was the tweet that he sent me. Now, a lot of times I don't have a whole lot of time for listener recommendations immediately because like I have a huge backlog of stuff I need to watch and I'm always watching mm-hmm. something for an upcoming list. Mm-hmm. And this time, literally, as he sent me that message, I had gone into lockdown with COVID. Mm. And so I was sitting there sick and I was looking for recommendations and he sent it to me and I, so I immediately rented it. 
And an hour and a half later, I messaged both of you guys to see if you wanted to come on the show. Because <laughs> um, I really I wanted to talk more about it and get the word out about it. And I, we're going to get to that in a second. But first, I had a question about kind of your origin story. So you're, you're Midwest guys. What's your origin story with movies? How'd you get into filmmaking? Sure. So we're from originally from Western Kansas or out, out by Dodge City. Started making little short films when we were kids and eventually came out to the University of Kansas where we didn't go to film school, but we started making more friends in the film world, started doing some 48-hour film festivals and started making bigger short films and bigger short films. And eventually, you know, we got hooked up with a great uh, Australian production company called Continuance Pictures and they helped us kind of get headcount up off the ground. So, I mean, that's the 100 mile per hour uh, version of it. But, you know, like any filmmaker, there's lots of ups and downs. There's lots of starts, stops and starts. But I think ultimately in the end, it's just something we've always been extremely passionate about. That's awesome. Now, headcount is one of the ideas that spawned from one of those 48-hour film festivals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, the festival theme that year was mystery and a lot of other contestants did you know detective stories and we wanted to do something that was a mystery but you wouldn't think of it as a mystery just looking at it so that's where the idea of let's have a um, a guy that has a gun pointed at his head and it's his gun and he's trying to remember how many bullets are left to see if he can get out of the situation and then each bullet becomes its own little vignette short story telling how it went off and so that was a three minute uh, short film we made back in 2014 for like zero dollars. And then uh, that ended up actually winning that year. And then, you know, flash forward eight, nine years later, we developed it into a feature. It's a lot more of a noir than it is a Western or a thr- crime. Like it has all the specific trappings of a noir of like recounting your steps and mysterious gunmen and shady kind of characters voiceover voiceover. yeah so it's definitely a a kind of a mashup of genres throughout which is just something we like seeing in movies yeah and that basically describes the uh, the feature length as well you get this guy named cat he escapes from prison two days ago and now he finds himself with this gun pointed at the back of his head and you learn how he got to that point through these flashbacks with each trigger squeeze sometimes Mm -hmm. we go back a couple hours sometimes we go back a couple years and uh, it's, a, it's a really entertaining, extremely well-made movie that's good for really almost any audience. There is violence, of course, but it's never, I, I wouldn't call it exploitative or super graphic. So it's something that you can watch with friends. You can watch it with your parents. You can watch it with your of-age kids. Like, it's just a, a really entertaining movie. I, I highly recommend it. Now, I know that you guys have been doing a lot of interviews. You've been making the rounds. And I don't want to retread too much on what what you've said already because i know that's boring from your lens um and and it's stuff that you've been talking about so i but i do have a couple of questions about headcount so go for it you already mentioned it you guys are from kansas city most of the lead actors are from australia you have an australian backer for this like how how did that happen yeah when we got hooked up with continuance pictures a couple years ago we were trying to get a different horror movie made and they kind of encouraged us to write something smaller. And this was the script that came of that. And they showed it to some actors they had, some connections they had. Eventually, they showed it to Ryan Quanton. And he really took a shine to it. And 
with him on board, it really helped us kind of kick the movie off into another gear. And then we had uh, Melanie Zanetti come aboard. She's known as the mom from Bluey. She's the voice of Chili the dog in Bluey, which is amazing. She's Australian. And Aaron Jakubenko, who's our lead, he's uh, also Australian. And, you know, we're just so lucky we found him, especially amongst, you know, these three core main Australian actors. And, you know, I, I think with with Australia, with, with these actors coming in to play a Kansas role, they all kind of gave us a Southern accent to start with. And we're like, it's not Southern. It's not Minnesota. It's just a flat <laughs> accent. It's as flat as possible. And they did an incredible job uh, masking their masking their Australianness. Yeah, just a really great, really great team we had. Yeah, is great great team of actors. I thought the lead he kind of gave me like a McConaughey plus Pablo yeah. Schreiber vibe, and I was like, oh, I like this dude. <laughs> and then, obviously, um, you know, I, I got a five year old, and so Bluey is huge in our house, and so I go into every single movie I watch blind. I don't watch trailers. I don't look at casts if I can avoid it. Like I just watch the movie, and so afterwards, I'm doing so. I'm looking at the cast list and. I saw that, you know, Melanie was the the voice of Chili and I had to go mm-hmm. back to a couple of scenes and just like, "Oh, okay." Not, like I could hear a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say you said it's for all audiences, but maybe not for little kid Bluey fans. They might not get out of it uh the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, five, not recommended for 5-year-olds. Now, you guys mentioned uh you mentioned in that that you were trying to get a horror movie made is mm-hmm. that uh Follow the leader. Is that what what you were trying to get made? That that's the one we've been trying to make. We have another another one. We're in the middle of writing as well, and we're trying to make another short film. We did called Suspense, which ties in with our single location thing. Is another one we're seeing if we can get made. So we have a few plates spinning. What we've kind of learned is that the actor, like getting an actor on board is what gets a movie made. And we're kind of hoping if we have a few different options, we can find the right person for the right movie and take off from there. But yeah, ho- hopefully something pans out. All right. Now, uh, Jacob, you, you make playlists for like the vibe of your movie. What would be the, what would be something on one of your playlists there for the horror ones? Oh, for the horror one. Yeah. Oh man, I, I almost don't want to spoil it, but it's all vaporwave. We're trying to make oh, okay. the first like true vaporwave soundtrack movie. I think a lot of movies have synth, like kind of synthwave, Stranger Thingsy. We're trying to go in the complete other direction electronically. So if you really want to get into vaporwave, you can listen to like Infinity Frequencies and Mesh and George Clanton and Surfing. And you know, I uh, sunglasses or uh, haircuts for men, and there's another. Yeah, there's lots of great vaporwave bands that no one has ever heard of. It has no clue what I'm talking about. But <laughs> all right, I think finding uh finding kind of the central, and you know, we did this for headcount too, and everything we do is finding the the mood for the movie through playlists and through. Uh, songs helps us come up with scenes and characters and ideas and it kind of starts painting the movie in our heads. So I would encourage any filmmaker to, you know, really let music help guide them creatively. And when it comes to coming up with stuff. One of the things that I really liked about the film was how everything continuously goes from bad to worse. 
It's one of those things where um, it's it, all great screenplays do that. Right when you think it's bad for the character, it somehow gets worse. And it certainly reminded me of some of my favorite filmmakers and really some of my favorite scenes. What are some of those movies or people that have inspired you? Maybe not just with this movie, but just in general. Yeah, I'd say uh, for this film in particular, you know, we're big fans of, you know, like Shane Black and then also the Coen brothers and then Sam Raimi, their earlier collaborations. And I think, you know, the Coen brothers do such a good job of creating these very colorful kind of side characters that your main protagonist runs into. Like even in, you know, like No Country for Old Men, they go and they talk to the woman who runs the uh, motel. So good. And she says, ah, it's got two double beds. And it's just this one shot of her. You see how she's dressed, all the stuff in her background. And then you know so much about her just from that. And I think that really kind of helps us, inspires us to, yeah. you know, in terms of our character creation. But for the, the escalating um, kind of problems, you have to watch a lot of horror movies and then also, you know, other situational like we're talking about like this single location where words what could go even more wrong <laughs> and i think all of that kind of comes together um and then yeah just ratcheting up the tension and then being smart enough to have some like comedic relief too to kind of release the pressure valve so that the audience is laughing when you want them to laugh instead of like if you're just always on scared or tension, eventually they're they're gonna laugh for their own sake and they're gonna laugh at the part you don't want them to. And so being able to control their emotions and being aware of I need a, a I need like a humor release valve yeah. right here so that people can reset and then I can get them ramped up and scared again. Jordan Peele's kind of like the current master of that, and I think a movie like After Hours is a, was a big inspiration for this, where it's just kind of one crazy night, things go from bad to worse, running into new characters all the time and i think screenplay wise have a character have them want something more have them really really want something and then just torture the shit out of them make their lives absolutely miserable torture them and then at the end of the movie either give it to them or don't and that's what i think all a good all any screenplay has to be I uh, I love the comment about like the humor pressure valve too. You can see that um, there's a scene. I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a scene in a uh, gun dealer's house that mm -hmm. totally mm -hmm. reminded me. He's sitting on the couch, <laughs> and it so reminded me of the couch scene in Boogie Nights, where yes. you know um, yes. the guys like popping the firecrackers off, and it's just like this ratchet of tension up and up and up. And it felt like that with the the ease of tension when he looks at the wall and he just says Jesus, and it's just yeah. like no, that was def that's a, that's I'm we're glad you picked up on that because yeah, we definitely that scene was an inspiration for that particular setup for sure. So that's great. <laughs> it definitely came through. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, let's get into our topic five top five single location films. You mentioned that you had done a short that kind of inspired this. Have you written any other single location things before? We've been told to, you know. <laughs> That's kind of what ends up happening when you're in the indie film world and in the indie horror world is they say, well, write something that's in one location so you can keep the budget down so you can make it controlled and manageable. And a lot of the movies we're going to talk about here, I think are kind of, you know, the reason people think that that's something any filmmaker can get away with. But I think it's uh, a lot harder than you might think. Uh, and I, I don't know if we'll ever do a single location thing. If we turn suspense into a feature, I think it would be 
it would be uh, our, our our stab at that. Jason, did you see suspense? Do you know what we're talking about when we say that? I know the short you're talking about with the paratrooper. Yeah. Okay, good. And making sure you're like, I have no idea what these guys are talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in that, just so that people listening know, in that short, which you can watch, it's called, like, type in suspense alter on YouTube or whatnot. Um, it's about this paratrooper who gets his parachute stuck in a tree, and then he's hanging up off the ground, and he's so high um, that if he drops, he's going to die or break something. And then it turns out there's something in the woods kind of stalking him as he tries to get down. And so that was... Um, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, uh, yeah, I say great because it's ours. That's a great example of a of a single location. But no, uh, that film really, or that short film really taught us a lot in terms of working with the bigger crew and you know working with professional actors. And so it was a great stepping stone. So for all those people out there that are like, I'm ready to go into feature. Make sure you do a short that actually is a little bit bigger and involves a lot of crew because you know you that we shot that in like two days, and so. You know, it's just a good, as opposed to, I'm just used to shooting with me and my buddy, and now I'm going to go take a 20, 30 person crew, like maybe dip your toe in to a bigger crew in a very short, you know, time frame of shooting it for a day or two. That really is a good way to get your beak wet in terms of transitioning into feature films. So good advice. Totally. Now you're doing one list between the two of you. Was it tough? Like, did you, did you have any arguments over what you needed to include or what had to be (laughs) off the list? I mean, we we have a lot of movies on the list, and we'll probably mention we'll probably <laughs> mention we'll probably mention all of them. But chiseling it down to five, we were kind of like, well, these two kind of might not count, and this one's kind of weird. But we just wanted. I think the five we picked are just the five that we wanted to talk about. So, all right, I'm, I don't think we're saying these are necessarily the best, uh, you know, gold standard for a single location. But I think they have interesting things to. Uh, be talked about cool well we, we will have time for honorable mentions i i have a couple myself to talk about oh nice afterwards, but uh maybe they're just mentions i don't know if yeah I <laughs> dishonorable <laughs> mentions yeah all right well uh last question before we get into our list how much crossover do you think we'll have how many uh, of the same picks do you think we'll come up with i, I think that we'll have zero. Zero. okay wow. i think we'll have zero would, because i think i think we'll have <laughs> okay what do you think ben? i don't know if that's true I think it's gonna be like. Three. No, I think. <laughs> I think I think there are so many. I think there's so many, especially in the last fifteen years. I think yeah, I think zero. All right, gents, are you ready to get into our list? Ready. Let's do it. You know what's gonna happen? You know what's happening here right now? I know what's gonna happen. Top five single location films. So my number five here is for my other four. I know that you've at least heard of them. You've probably seen them. But my number five here is a little bit more obscure. So I'm kind of hoping that you haven't heard of it or seen it. So I can introduce you to something new. But (laughs) this is a film from uh, 2021. It's called For the Sake of Vicious. You raped my daughter. You beat a guy half to death, broke into my house, made me lie to my kid. Please, I'm not here to hurt you. This is Charlotte, right? You're the dad. (laughs) 
Got someone on the way. Have you heard of this one? I I have seen this. I this was wasn't it? Didn't this premiere and oh, am I allowed to talk? Or no, go what, for it. Go what for what it. You're doing here. Did because this? I think this premiered. Um, this premiered in Fantasia the year yep. during suspense. Our short film was in Fantasia as well, so <laughs> we had ac- It was all online, so we had access to watch whatever we want. And then I saw that and I watched it. Um, so I have a lot to say, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this all takes place in a typical two-story single-family home. It's about this overworked nurse. Her name's Romina. She comes home from the hospital. It's Halloween night. And she finds a guy that she knows named Chris. He's holed up in her house. He's broken in. And he has her landlord, Alan, tied up to a chair. And he tells her that Alan raped his daughter five years ago. The court found him not guilty. So now he's like taking things into his own hands. And he wants a confession. And she's there because she's the one who treated his daughter at the hospital. And so that's kind of the setup for this. Throughout the night, we understand not everything is as it seems. But then about halfway through the film, a group of masked men arrive at the door and all hell breaks loose. Uh, As the title suggests, it's really a throwback to these exploitation grindhouse drive-in days. Knows exactly what it is, never tries to outsmart itself. It's here for a good time and it's here for a short time. It's an 80-minute movie and it gets the most out of those 80 minutes. It is an extremely brutal movie. Uh, Hammer Claw to the eye Mm. is going to really please some Fulci fans. Um, The amount of blood at the end of this movie is impressive. Like damn near every inch of this house is covered in it. It's tense. It's gory. Never lets up. This is one of those examples of like a small scale production. Mm -hmm. It was originally supposed to take place at an office and then they found a house that was going to be demolished. So they worked with the city and just used that for two weeks. And uh, they, in that time, they built a bathroom in the house just for one scene. Wow. And uh, they had like an equipment room at the bottom. And when they shot the, the upstairs stuff, the, the amount of blood they had leaked through the vents down to the first floor oh. and like messed up some cameras. Oh, no. oh my God. Um, yeah. So a really, really fun movie. Uh, Laura Burke and Colin Paradine are both in this and they're both terrific in this. I don't know why they haven't blown up, but yeah, my number five for the sake of vicious. I am actually, uh, I'm impressed and also happy that you've seen this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a very, uh, unique thing I want to say about this and that, you know, I think a lot of films, uh, like sound design gets kind of like people notice like really um i don't know like in your face or obnoxious or no like sound design is such a hard thing to pin down and say whether it's good or not and this film's or at least the version i saw i don't know if they cleaned it up but like this film's sound design i think whoever had the sound effects track like turned it up like way too high and so all of like the hits and all of the punches all the kills everything was like so crunchy and loud and it made it so much cooler and better um i i remember i was thinking to myself man did like the sound guy make this in his garage like it's so uh vicious like the title uh, suggests so um i i'll have to watch it again and see if like you know there's a there's a chance they might have rebalanced it but i just remember thinking like my god these sound effects are out of control um <laughs> but yeah and then the other thing i kind of uh remember from that film is um and it also in another kind of re- this film isn't a single location but it's the same thing it reminded me of i don't know if you've seen the horror film cobweb that came out this year you heard of that yeah it's on the but, theater. um 
So what what you say, like these other characters that show up in like helmets and masks and stuff like that, that kind of similar things happens in that cobweb movie. And that always reminds me of like the video game Hotline Miami, if you if you're familiar oh, yeah. with that. So then this film, you know, anytime someone shows up with like a helmet with a with a, uh, or a biker helmet with the red with visor. A, uh, you know, a weapon and then like a jacket or something. I'm always like, oh, Hotline Miami. Or in, in that Cobweb movie, they have like the the Letterman jackets and then they have like the Halloween mask and bats and stuff. And so that's kind of, I mean, obviously Hotline Miami didn't invent that. But, you know, this film, if you were like, I need some live action Hotline Miami cops, like put this in. <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. sure. For sure. Um, all right. Number five for you guys. I, I'm glad you mentioned like, your thing was obscure because this is definitely obscure because I'm just trying to find like what is like the granddaddy of this type of genre and there's a movie a made for TV movie from 1969 written and directed by Jim Henson made for NBC as part of something called NBC Experiment in Television which was an anthology series of like experimentally movies and this movie was called The Cube there's only one thing about this place I really don't care for. What's that? It's white. I, I uh, hadn't really thought of it in that way. Yeah. Well, you damn well better think about it. It's nice, and it's safe, and you made it, and you're gonna stay in it until you die. And you're gonna die in it. This is a mausoleum to whiteness. Look, this isn't my place. I didn't have anything to do with it. Why do you stay in here, then? I can't get out. You could get out if you wanted to get out. I can't. I tried, and I can't. How'd I get in? Through a door. Then go out a door. I can't. There are no doors. Go out the door I came in. I can't. Why not? Because that's your door. It is all set in kind of a nondescript white cube looks almost like a insane kind of a insane asylum kind of like the padded room that they they throw people in in movies and it's just a guy wakes up alone in this cube and people kind of come in and out it's all very very allegorical there's you know a cop comes in a woman comes in a band comes in it's not like the best best written movie it's not even the best made movie but you could see jim henson you know wanting to you know with his imagination wanting to push the form in a different direction like a less maximalist direction than you know the muppets and stuff and it's just really it's it's an interesting curio to watch it's almost a bit more like a one act or like a, a a play you might see off Broadway or something, and it's all—it's like a, like these types of movies. It's completely streaming on YouTube. It has an extremely predictable, corny ending, but I think in terms of you know setting the stage for how this can be done, there's a lot in the cube that you kind of see come back in future movies that are kind of set up like this, and even in more movies we're about to mention. So. Not the most uh, glamorous number five, but I think it's interesting. I think it's worth mentioning, especially as a Jim Henson thing. I'm always fascinated by made-for-TV movies. Yeah. Because they're literally like, 
you know, some studios had just budgets put out and they give it to the filmmakers and they say, essentially, you got 10 days to make this. Like, there's very little oversight. Just go. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, this is one that I haven't heard of. I'm always excited when somebody brings up something I have not heard of and and seen. So I'm going to put this on my watch list for sure. Yeah, it's it's worth knowing about so you can sound cool to other people. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, the, the made for TV, I'm just going to go on a little tangent here. The made for TV movie thing is interesting because so many um, TV shows now, like the episodes, you know, some of them are 40 minutes to an hour. And then some of them are like 90 minutes. Like I know Nicholas Winding Refn, his last few um, projects he's done that are series, like his episodes have been like 90 minutes long. And you're like, this is feature length or like the latest um, season of Black Mirror that um, the Beyond the Sea episode with um, Josh Hartnett and uh, Aaron Paul, like that could have just been released in theaters. Like it's just a movie. And then people are like, oh, guys, it's just another episode. So I don't know. It's just an in weird, strange mentality that people have. It's like I won't sit and watch a two hour, two and a half, three hour movie, but I'll sit and watch a seven hour miniseries. So I don't know. It's more it's more of like once you start hitting that over the hour mark, it's like just make it a movie, bro. Just make it a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you guys watch the uh, Nicholas Winding Refn Too Old to Die Young? Did you watch the whole oh, thing? Oh yeah. That and I watched all that, then I watched all of what was the other one uh, that it, the Copenhagen oh, Cowboy. Copenhagen Cowboy, but I think uh I think there's one episode of too old to die young that's a good movie and then the rest not so much <laughs> dude i i saw the i saw that maybe four months ago i watched the whole thing and i almost made it a challenge to myself to like take all 10 episodes and see if i could make like a good two and a half hour long oh. movie through edits because it was rough yeah at well some point. there's um there's there's an episode where like he i it's been so long since i've seen it but he like he goes on this mission to meet these like two brothers in a bar or something and then and then there's like a and then there's like a chase with an electric car in his car and then it ends with like a girl in the box at the end and i was like this like just clean this one up forget all these other episodes and just make that one a movie but Refin can't do that dude he's uh he's on another <laughs> level apparently that's what he tells us all right number four for me um we're going back for this one as well not as far as uh what was that one 69 69 69 yeah not not as far as that for the cube but this is from 1976 it's also one of the uh i think one of the most inspiring films and this one actually inspired the the last screenplay that i completed just one one phrase might tip you off to what it is it's a siege it's a goddamn siege it's a assault on precinct 13 mm -hmm. from john carpenter for the gang called street thunder it is a day of vengeance it's war in the streets. It's terror in the night. It's the most shattering assault on a police station in history. They're not afraid to die. Any of them want to rip us apart, no matter what it costs. Assault on Precinct 13, rated R. This is set in South Central LA. The beginning is actually not in that spot, but for, for my list, it was like, all right, most of it, like 90% of the movie takes place in this one spot, so I'm going to count it. But uh, it, it starts with this gang called Street Thunder, and they swear revenge against the cops for killing some of their gangs. So they go around murdering random people, and one of the random people that they kill is this little girl who's getting ice yeah, cream from an yeah. ice cream truck. Brutal. 
Yeah. It's a horrifying, yeah, yeah. brutal scene. And then the dad hunts them down. He kills the, the leader. And then he runs into a police precinct because the gang's now trying to get him. And he runs into the wrong precinct because this place has been ordered to be shut down the next day. There's a skeleton crew run by Lieutenant Ethan Bishop. And he's he's literally just gotten there. And he's supposed to just kind of hang out until they close it in the morning. So not much in terms of supplies. Definitely no, uh, no other you know, officers there and no help in sight. So the gang descends on the precinct and it becomes a matter of cops, criminals, and civilians inside surviving the waves of killers from the outside until the morning. And there's just something. So I, I rewatched this movie for this episode. There's something about like them staring off into the distance and it's just black night. And then all of a sudden you see people coming out of the dark mm-hmm. and uh, they come and they put the, their flag on the ground and then they head back. And all of a sudden, you got cars coming out, shooting with silenced pistols, man. It's just an all-time classic siege movie. It's a great example of the brilliance of John Carpenter, who did this with, like, I think they gave him $100,000, and they said, <laughs> you can have complete control over whatever you make. And it put him into perfect position to make Halloween just a couple years mm-hmm. later. Yeah. Austin Stoker was, like, primarily a TV actor at the time, I think. And, and he's really good as this guy that's in over his head. Everybody in the movie's great, but he obviously sticks out. It's a really mean exploitation movie. But, man, it has it has some moments of levity, too. It's, it's one that's inspired so many Siege films after it. So many other mediums, too. Like, if you've ever played uh, Call of Duty, the zombie modes in Call of mm-hmm. Duty, like... That's Assault on Precinct 13, boarding up between the waves of, of the zombies. It's the same thing here. Yeah. Um, I really, I don't recommend the remake, but you watch almost any Siege movie now. It's like, yeah, I can see how uh, how Assault on Precinct 13 influenced this movie. So that's my, that's my number four. Love it so much. Nice. It's crazy he went from, he did Dark Star, Assault on Precinct, and then Halloween. Three movies that couldn't be like more different, but he just rises to it and... Yeah, I don't know. So impressive. You know, there's not there's not enough that could be said about Mr. Carpenter. Not to toot my own horn, but, you know, I, I, what a challenge I like to do is is take a director and watch everything they've done. And I did that with Carpenter, including his like made for TV movies um, that he did. And yeah, the yeah, Souls of Precinct, that's good. He's kind, he kind of has the same vibe of that character's um, trapped in a place with like the thing. And even I think it's a little bit in Prince of Darkness. Um, they're kind of in a they're in a where are they there's some weird place and they're like looking out the window and there's like some guy that turned into bugs or something so it reminded me of what you said about them looking out into the darkness so um yo no he's a very prolific filmmaker and uh i i saw a quote the other day that was like would would you want to make another movie he's like i want to i want to hang out and play video games like (laughs) <laughs> make some movie make some music with my kids so it is unfortunate i mean it's unfortunate that like people like him and even i feel like even scorsese it's like people can't just give them money it's like a lifetime work of a lifetime's worth of work of amazing films doesn't allow them to do whatever they want at this age it's like they can't have retirement director stuff where it's like yeah i don't know here here's money just make whatever like it's it, it's it's too bad but he was recently on stephen colbert so Check that out, too. He had some funny things to say. He's a funny guy. so He's funny. Number four for you guys. Um, okay, I'll go. So uh, number four, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to pick the uh, 2010 horror movie called Frozen. Abandoned. No one knows that we're up here. Alone. It's Sunday, and they're not open again until Friday. No hope. We're going to die. Okay, hold on. 
film of the year, Frozen, on DVD and Blu-ray, October 18th. Um, not the kids' movie where uh, with Elsa and them shooting. It's not that one. It's Frozen, 2010. And it's about um, these three characters that go to a ski resort. And then what happens is uh, the, it's getting dark and the resort's shutting down. And then they ask the ski lift guy. It's like, hey, we'll give you money or whatever if you just let us go up one more time. He's like, oh, whatever. So he lets them go up. And then through a series of events, um, what happens is that they end up getting stuck at like the apex point of this lift to where they're so high in the air, they can't just easily jump down. And so then the entire uh, ski resort shuts down. It turns out it's like a holiday weekend. So they're going to be closed for several days. And so they're trapped up on this ski lift, these three characters. And then you kind of watch them um, kind of try to survive and come up with different ideas on how they can get down. And um, I think this film does a really good job of, I, I think what people like about single location films, especially ones where a character is trapped and um, has limited resources, it's the, the audience sits there in their mind and they say, oh, how would I get out? Like, what would I do? And then you watch these characters and they all make they make logical decisions. You know what I mean? They try to, uh, you know, I think they throw some stuff down and try to see how far it is. These dudes like, I'm just going to jump. He's like, no. And then they try like kind of um, monkey crawling across the... Uh, the actual cable that's holding it and then it's too sharp and it you know it like cuts through and he can't get out and uh i i'll I'll, i don't want to say i'm not going to say how too much of what happens but um there's like kind of an amazing shot that me and jake actually borrowed from for our short film suspense where one of the characters like they've been up there for so long one of the characters just like screw it and then jumps and there's this like amazing shot of these feet and it's like a pov shot of you seeing these feet come crashing towards the ground and then um the character ends up you know breaking his leg it is stuck down there and so now it's like he's on the ground but now he's even more screwed because of you know he can't move and there's and there's other creatures and stuff around but uh that film it's it's ingenious to come up with something that's so familiar and to have it be scary and um i have a couple of like behind the scenes thing i want to talk about but jake if you have anything else you want to say nope yeah i was gonna say it was all shot practically if this was made today it would be shot on a volume it would look kind of fake and hokey but yeah as ben is gonna get into they shot this all practically which is insane on location yeah yeah, yeah they found a ski they found a ski resort uh, shut down one and then I think they were the director was writing it, and then it, it shut down. Like they were doing a test run just for whatever to check it out. Then it shut down at like the exact spot where they wanted to film. And then there were like some guy actually committed suicide at this point where it shut down. He's like, oh my god. But um, I think one of the best kind of um, behind the scenes nuggets I remember from it is that they're filming these characters in the um, elements, and so they're talking, and as they talk, their breath is coming out, and so you see it because um you know because they're cold or whatever and then they're like oh my gosh we're you know we're we're losing breath we're losing breath uh take off take off some more clothes and so then they take off more layers and then they they don't get any more breath they're like okay take off more clothes and so they take off more layers and then the breath doesn't coming and then they're like oh wait a minute you're supposed to get someone warmer so that the coming out of their mouth is warm (laughs) not make them colder so that was funny that they were yeah that mistake of instead of making them warmer so that their breath could still be seen they made them colder and it had the opposite effects so yeah (laughs) this is a movie that i love it's actually been on two of my lists it's been on top five 
nature survival films. Nice. Oh. And it was on top five horror movie deaths. And uh, man, that scene that you're talking about with the guy uh, that decides yeah. to jump. Yeah. <laughs> I would have jumped. I would have gone the for mu- it. Like the music cuts out. It does it all right. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and it is one of those, you know, what what would you do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you have two choices because it's shut down for this holiday and it's shut down because of the blizzard coming in. So it's like, you can't survive. I think, yeah, I think the other really kind of fun um, element of that, or a nice little scene is is the, the girl is like, falls asleep, like gripping the, the metal pole without a glove on. And then she wakes up and tries to take it off. And so that's a good visceral like audience uh, getting them involved. So that I, I like that part too. So yeah. Yeah. And as the film goes, you see like they're getting scabbed up from just like the right. cold, like hitting their face. Yeah. All right. Um, Number three for me, it's definitely a bigger scale than just being on a ski lift, but it all takes place in a New York brownstone. This is the 2002 David Fincher film Panic Room, which Ooh. I am just a huge fan of. And at some point, I hope it gets a Blu-ray release because it still, for some reason, does not have one. It's called a panic room. It's eight feet long. It's encased in steel. It was the safest room in the house until tonight. What we want is in that room. We can't get in the panic room. We have to get her to come out. On March 29th, the director of Fight Club takes you into the Panic Room. Rated R. Opens everywhere Friday. This is like really David Fincher's experiment in camera work. Mm -hmm. Like, what can I do to make this space look awesome or more interesting from other angles? Um, It's about this newly single woman, Meg Altman. She's going through a divorce and her young daughter, Sarah, and they've just moved into this really beautiful home. And they end up the target of three burglars who expected the home to be empty. But luckily for the Altmans, they have a panic room in the house. Essentially, it's an impenetrable steel fortress. But unfortunately for them, what the guys want is in that room. So that's your setup for this movie. Fantastic uh, setup. Coming out of Fight Club, this is Fincher's follow-up. It's like three years later. It is much smaller, but for some reason feels much richer to me. There's Mm -hmm. like so many interesting dynamics here within the house. You have Meg and her daughter, Meg played by Jodie Foster, really great in this, and uh, her daughter, young Kristen Stewart. And at some point, her ex-husband, Stephen, is there as well. And then you have a great dynamic between the three robbers, too, who all have like varying levels of commitment to the job, culminating in some really great tension. Uh, screenplay by David Kep at a time when he needed a hit. Like mm-hmm. he had an incredible run in the '90s. He did Jurassic Park. He followed that up with Carlito's Way. Uh, he did the Mission Impossible, the first Mission Impossible movie. Like he was unstoppable. And then he had uh, a string of disappointments. He did like The Trigger Effect. He did The Lost World, Stir of Echoes, which I like, but it wasn't like a box office fire. And then he does this in Spider Man, and like all of a sudden he's back. Um, I'm not normally like a big Jared Leto fan, but I think he's pretty great in this. He's like, he's got cornrows. He's used correctly. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like this cornrow wearing mastermind Forrest Whitaker's great in this. Um, he's like the smarter kind of, uh, he, he's ready to leave if things get too weird. And then Dwight Yoakam plays Raul, and he just kind of steals the show as this like psycho wild card who's going to do anything to get inside that room. 
it's just a technically insane movie. Uh, I have the the DVD that came out a long time ago, but it, it kind of documents everything they did to make this movie. Incredibly expansive pre stuff. Yeah, you've seen it. It's just like so fucking detailed. I love it. That DVD is so expensive on eBay. The special features one, yeah. You can't I think I saw. Yeah, I think I saw some behind the scenes stuff on that where you know I think the entire the entire house is a set right like the multi story. Yeah. So they're literally um, flying out these walls that are like three stories tall and stuff like that. So that's very impressive <laughs> amount of uh, architecture and scaling to do it like that. So yeah, and you mentioned that you know David Fincher. This is one of the first. This is this movie. He was really planning every shot down to a T using like 3D in a new way and using previs in a way that would kind of redefine how movies are made, like Marvel movies, unfortunately. Kind of everything is done in previs. And you know, when he started, there's a reason this movie has two cinematographers. It's because Darius Kanji quit because he got sick of having to do everything by the down to the like by the down to the screws previs so it's that's and that's just how Fincher is but you know I think that what you see with these single location movies is that like you said you want to get as much squeeze juice for the squeeze as you can and get as many interesting angles do as much as you can because if you shoot it in really plain coverage it's going to get really boring really fast so you know it's very interesting in that way Great sense of space too. Just yes. like the way the camera floats through, floats through a coffee pot, through a door lock, like just amazing ways of, of using that space. Yes, he's 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 kind of liberated himself using the technology, and yeah, it, it's it's great. It's it's I, I always forget it's after Fight Club. It feels like it should have been before Fight Club because it's so mm. much. It's like it feels way smaller than Fight Club. You'd think he would have escalated, but he kind of like pulled it in in a way after fight club number three for you okay um so we're number three it's sort of our homage we're not saying this is a good movie but this idea of trapped in a single location in the mid 2000s 2000 or 2010s ish there was a glut of these types of movies there was buried with ryan reynolds there was you know uh devil all in the elevator i hope i'm not like spoiling anything for anybody um there is atm where they're stuck in an atm (laughs) and this this was really the the producer saying go write something that's in one location these are those types of movies that still had you know probably a way bigger budget than our movie but these they're given this one little tiny location like way smaller than the the panic room apartment so we picked a kind of one of the corniest ones to come of this trend which was a movie called 247 degrees to good times to good times hello boys it's hot in here why not make it hotter than it already is huh which is these people stuck in a sauna so i'll read i'll read the official synopsis here it says uh 
Four friends travel to a lakeside cabin for a carefree weekend. The fun turns into a nightmare when three of them end up locked up in a hot sauna. Every minute counts and every degree matters as they fight for their lives in the heat up to 247 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, good Frozen so, double feature. It's good. Yeah, watch this after Frozen. No, it's, uh, you know, it's not... You would think something like this would be like one of those bad intention, like intentionally bad parody movies or something, but it's not. Um, <laughs> so from what I remember, I think I might have had a few drinks when I watched this, but <laughs> from what I remember, these kids they're they're in like a foreign country, and then they go in the, into this shack that has a sauna in it, and then one of their friends gets drunk and like knocks over a a piece of wood and then it makes the door stuck to where they can't get out and then there's like this little tiny glass uh pilot hole so they can see outside and you know eventually they figure out that they're trapped in there and then they end up like breaking the the regulator for the heat so it keeps getting hotter in there then they end up breaking the glass (laughs) to like this little six inch window and then they're trying to get out and uh uh i'm just you don't don't watch it unless you're drunk but um eventually (laughs) eventually what happens is that one of the guys gets so mad and and like goes crazy that he there's like this center pillar that has like the hot rocks and where the heat's like coming through the steam he's like i'm just gonna do it guys and then he ends up tackling it like a football player to take down the sauna and then um Uh, and uh, then they uh, say, so, yeah, I don't remember if they, they die or not, but I'm going to blow your mind with something. And that is that this is based off a true story. People got stuck in a sauna. <laughs> for, they got stuck in a sauna for 10 hours. Fortunately, they lived. But um, in this particular movie, they might have they might have died. But that's a that's a. Uh, <laughs> so not only is it um, exploiting the single location, it's also, you know, exploiting something that really happened to some unfortunate drunk people who got trapped in a sauna and then increase the bullshit factor to make it a movie so so there you go oh, 247 degrees fahrenheit look it up it's on uh it's on everywhere streaming now sure why not <laughs> probably doesn't have a blu-ray i'd never heard of this so i just pulled it up here and yeah this does seem like one of those like get a bunch of friends over get drunk get stoned and just you yeah know, have a good laugh have fun with this <laughs> one. it is funny just to see people pushing the one location concept like further and further and this we... kind of almost being as far oh. as you could go yeah I- i'll wait till the end for more um we i'm not going to call them honorable mentions but mentions but there's more like this i want to say but but this one, I, I couldn't. I couldn't not say. I couldn't put it on the list. It was too hot. It's too hot. And, it's too hot. It, I, it's too hot. The sequel's going to be 248 degrees Fahrenheit. So, <laughs> oh man. All right. I gotta. I'm definitely going to put that on one of my uh, next double feature. <laughs> double feature Good days. Luck. With with the packed cooler. Um, all right. Number two for me. Man, we're going from 247 degrees to uh, what I would consider is uh, a more prestigious film. Uh oh. Um, and this is one of the all-time greats from 1948. This is Rope mm. by Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. That's the last time she ever saw him alive. And that's the last time you'll ever see him alive. What happened to David Kentley changed my life completely and the lives of seven others. Janet Walker, Henry Kentley, the boy's father, his aunt, Mrs. Atwater, 
his best friend, Kenneth Lawrence, a housekeeper named Mrs. Wilson, and the two who were responsible for everything, Brandon Shaw and Philip Morgan. Uh, the whole thing takes place in this Manhattan apartment. I could have done a couple different Hitchcock movies. I'm not going to say what those are, just because I don't want to maybe steal any of your thunder if you have one on mm-hmm. there. But, man, Rope has never made a list on this show. And recently I was on another podcast talking about top five one takes. And I regretted not choosing this movie. And so this is like my makeup pick, you know, <laughs> where they like give the Oscar to somebody yeah. that maybe didn't deserve it for that movie because they didn't. Yeah, it's it's one of these. Um, it's about these two uh, brilliant young artists, Brandon Shaw and Philip Morgan, and they, in the first scene of the movie, they strangle their former classmate to death, and uh, they do it in this penthouse apartment, and they commit the crime as an intellectual exercise. They just want to prove their superiority by committing the perfect murder, and to put an exclamation point on this, after hiding the body, they host a dinner party at the apartment with a bunch of the people related to the guy so like they've got his uh his dad there his aunt is there his uh fiance is there his best friend is there it's a real technically brilliant movie um real experimental at the time too hitchcock Mm -hmm. said that he wanted to take a stage play and add movement and he achieved this like he just carefully planned out all the shots so that there was almost no editing. And then he let the cartridge run for as long as it would go, which is typically 10 minutes back in those days. And then he would, you know, once the cartridge ran out, he'd plan the next shot to start in that same position. So the entire film looks like one take. Yeah. Um, John Dahl and Farley Granger play the the villains here. And it, it's got like a real strong homosexual subtext, yeah. which was extremely daring for the time. And really, the only reason I think it got past the censors is because it was not overtly talked about. But you can see like plenty of essays online just kind of detailing all that stuff now. Um, It's pretty obvious when you watch it now, you know, would have probably hurt the box office back then. It's an amazingly shot movie. There's a shot that reveals Jimmy Stewart's character that is just like, wow, you see with a a crowd, there's that's where they clap. Mm -hmm. And uh the, the look of it is fantastic. The background matte paintings that are swapped evolves, out yeah. in between. Like, uh, yeah, it's so cool. Just brings you back to like a simpler time of filmmaking. And I love Hitchcock. And anytime I can get him onto a list, I'm going to do it. This we this was so close to being on our list. I'm so glad you brought it up. I Before we like nerd out about it, I have a kind of a question for you, Jason. When you see a oneer now in a Netflix show or in a movie, like what do you what do you feel? Are you, is it is it exciting you or are you rolling your eyes a bit? Or are you aware? You're like, oh, it's a one-er. Um, typically, I, I am aware, yeah. And it's one of those things where it depends on, on the movie and how it's used. Yeah. Like, sometimes it can feel gimmicky, but a lot of times it's just like, wow, that's... I'm, I'm always trying to figure out how they did it, you know? I, and I think... But I think that's the the problem now with mm-hmm. I think they're being way overused and I think that now oneers are solely made so that the filmmakers can say look how cool we are can you believe we did this so like with always sunny or in the daredevil or any any type of movie the that's doing it nowadays it's like look how cool we are can you believe we planned it and as you're watching it you're going I can't believe this is all one uh, take, but that's taking you out of the movie when you're thinking that. 
So I think the best oneers, you don't realize it's a oneer until days later when somebody mentions it to you. I think those are the best type of oneers. I think the ones that are really show offy, I think they take you out of the movie. And I think that they're, I think that it's the director kind of getting in their own way. So that's kind of my hot take on uh, the oneer thing. Yeah, there's a good example of 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 like oneers in the the extraction extraction two the Chris Hemsworth series where he's yep. like in a prison fight and he lights on fire and stuff. And the same thing happens, you know, you're watching, you're like, Whoa, I can't, how did they do that? I can't believe. And then you're out of the story. Um, is it in, in like jaws, isn't there one where they're like, they're on a barge or something. And then like the camera's moving with them and they're talking and then they're at a whole new location. That might be a good example of one where you're not aware. There's two in children of men where you're not aware because you are so sucked into it. And the wonder is used to like, it's almost like you're not blinking. It's like the effect of not blinking. And when you take of an advantage of a wonder in that way, I think it's, it's strong. But I think when you're calling attention, it's, it's kind of, it's, I think it's kind of old hat at this point, but yeah, I mean, when Hitchcock did it, it's, it's fucking brilliant. And I think a lot of people talk about how rope has, you know, people will say, oh, that actually does have cuts, you know, that goes behind somebody and it goes black. But go straight actually, to someone's back, yeah. <laughs> but they're actually, I think people forget about this. There is a cut. There's a very, very intentional cut. Oh, yeah, in that's Rope, right. Yep. Which, it, which it, it cuts to Jimmy Stewart's reaction when he finally pieces it together in his head. And that, like, that is the cherry on top of that movie that makes it so perfect. All right, gents, number two for you. Getting to, uh, we just got a couple left and no crossover yet. That's right. So number two, so we've talked about The Cube. I'm taking you back. Lose the the, it's cleaner. We've got Cube from 97. A cube. 26 rooms high. 26 rooms across. 17,576 rooms. Does anybody remember how they got here? Why would they throw innocent people in here? Are we being punished? There's a way in here. So there's got to be a way out. Do you think they'd go to all the trouble to build this thing if we could just walk out? Take a good long look around. Because I got a feeling it's looking at us. We have about three days without food and water before we're too weak to move. We just want to wake up. Cube is a movie about, it says, without remembering how they got there, several strangers awaken in a prison of cube cells, some of them booby-trapped. And then it explains all the characters and the prisoners must use their combined skills if they are to escape. So what's neat about Cube, to me, is it has this sort of puzzle box kind of mousetrap. We have to figure out, you know, this room has, you know, spinning blades that kill people. If we can get into this room, it has um, a wire that slices through people, and all the cubes look the same. But what I think is interesting about Cube is that we see a lot of movies now that are kind of mimicking cube like the platform on netflix was a big I, you can feel cube vibes all over that um the escape room movies I, even squid game i think has a lot to thank cube for in it's this idea of people in a new environment and they kind of have to learn the rules as they go and maybe break a few rules to get where they have to go and just figure out you know not only why they're not only like how to get out, but why they're there. And I think that Cube is just a really cool movie and it has the best sequel name ever as well. 
just cube to hypercube, as we all know. And also, and also like the like the Saw franchise with the you know people trapped in giant mouse traps like that can you can draw that back to this as well. Yeah, yeah. So I just think that like Cube that maybe doesn't get quite as much love for what it came after it. I I really do think you couldn't have Squid Game and a lot of stuff without Cube. So yeah, was that Cube. was that based on who was that based on anything or was that just it's a true story? Screenplay? It's also a true story. <laughs> a true story like this on a yeah yeah. I'm not sure. I wonder if I don't know. Um, I don't think it was. I don't know. I don't think so. Someone, someone is screaming. Someone is screaming, listening to this. Like I know. <laughs> have you you've seen Jason? I have. I love Cube. Um, and it definitely is influential in the deadly game space. What a good that is what we should have done is dead top five deadly games. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Still on the on the table. We did um. For the Halloween episode, one of our uh, recommendation things was the Deadly Game film, but nobody's done top five Deadly Games yet. Well, so it, we yeah, can, next time you guys are on, next to. time you got a we'll have on. our we'll have our computers updated and we'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> if you like Cube, you should check out the film from a couple of years ago called Meander. If you've never heard of that one, check Is that, that one out. Tubes one? Is that the one where they're in the? Yeah. Yeah, I I saw that bad boy. Yeah, very similar to Cube in that like. Each area is different. Yeah. There's different like things going on, but that, yeah, still a lot. Yeah, of Yeah, uh, no, that has a great um, like a character is coming one way in a very tight location, and the other character is coming from the opposite way, and you're like, oh my god, like that means that there's nothing good if that guy's going this way. Like, <laughs> I think that's a, a that's like a horrifying uh, psychological thing to to be thinking oh my god it's so terrible behind me there's got to be something good in front of me and then someone's coming the opposite direction you're like it's not <laughs> yeah no nice i'm glad you mentioned that that's a good interesting yeah meander my number one this was always gonna be my number one i was actually on the fence about including this one because there's a it takes a while to get there in 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 the film but uh, once you get there, man, it is amazing. Oh, we got the same. Do we have the same one? It's 2015's Hateful Eight. Oh, no, we don't. Nope. 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 A woman out in this white hell? What are you laughing about? He talks funny. One of these strangers. I'm taking this woman to hell. Anybody stopping me from doing that? Has a deadly secret. My theory is one of y'all is working with her. But he has other plans. Anybody does anything, kill him. Start see pictures, ain't you? The Hateful Eight, rated R, Select Cities, Christmas Day, everywhere January 8th. Yeah, this is set sometime after the Civil War. You got eight people who seek refuge from an incoming blizzard at Minnie's Haberdashery mm -hmm. in the Haberdashery mm -hmm. in the Wyoming wilderness. Uh, John Ruth and his fugitive captive Daisy Domergoo. Bounty Hunter Marquise Warren, Red Rock Sheriff Chris Mannix, and Oswaldo Mowbray, he's the hangman of Red Rock. You got Joe Gage, he's a cowpuncher, and a Confederate General Sanford Smithers, and a guy named Bob. Right. And, uh, man, I, did you guys watch this in theaters? I did, yes. I don't think so. I don't remember. Who knows? I was too busy watching 127 Degrees or whatever, 147 Degrees. <laughs> This was man. I, I saw the roadshow version of this. He he 
did oh, like this oh, wow, pre-version. Yeah. It was like 70 millimeter, had the program, had the intermission. Awesome. And I tell you, it's one of like the best theatrical experiences I've had because there's a clear moment when that uh, when that intermission like mm-hmm. kicks back in where you're all kind of wondering outside for 10, 15 minutes, whatever the intermission was, like what is happening right now? And then it just kicks into high gear when you get back in there. It's a beautiful looking movie. You can really feel the cold mm-hmm. on the outside. You can really feel the warmth on the inside. Uh, shot by Robert Richardson, who's like just one of the all time greats. I mean, Scorsese's go to guy, Oliver Stone's go to guy, worked with Tarantino since Kill Bill. Um, insane cast. Almost every character is the spice in the soup. Yeah. Uh, Sam Jackson going head to head with Bruce Dern as as this like racist general is insane. And I I didn't count of like his flashback of what happens to Dern's kid because we don't know if that's real or not, and I don't I don't think it is. But uh, <laughs> what a good scene that is. Kurt Russell's John Ruth, who's just trying to wait out the storm with his with his bounty, played by Jennifer Jason Lee. Like she's just so goddamn good in this. I wish she would play some more straight up menaces. Uh, Walton Goggins, who's just like one of my favorite ah. actors. Um, you know, you're, you're not a hundred percent sure about him. 95% of the movie, but man, it, when it's revealed what, it, what he is, it's great. Tim Roth doing his best Christoph Waltz impression. Like, I feel like that was probably written for Christoph mm-hmm. Waltz, but Tim Roth steps in pretty admirably there. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, real interesting twist midway through the movie. You got a, a Ennio Morricone score. Yeah. Sharp dialogue, actors playing off one another until it gets like completely bloody insanity in the last 20 minutes. So, yeah, if you're a fan of like what inspired this and and he's he said like Bonanza, the Virginian were inspirations for this. But I would guess that Cutthroat's Nine is another big influence on this. And if you've never seen that that Western, the Cutthroat's Nine, real hard to find on like physical media now but it's a real brutal western you're gonna love that if you love this it, it, i'm it's got to be cutthroat flying he names his movies after other movies you know all the time you know it makes sense to me yep yeah that the it's so cool that morricone got you know kind of out of retirement or you know made the score and yeah I, it's funny you bring up the intermission there's a discussion now going on about intermissions with killers of the flower moon and everybody just like eh, how could you possibly have an intermission it's sacrilegious i think it's a filmmaking tool i think it's another tool the filmmaker can use to you know tell their story and like you said the intermission of that movie is a time where people can talk like what do you think's happening what do you think's going to go on and just like the t- your title reveal of your movie or when you cut to the credits these are all things that help you tell the story that not everybody filmmakers consider so yeah i don't know i I guess i'm i i kind of wish more movies had intermissions if i'm being honest i think the cynic i think the cynical answer to that is that you don't make if you have an intermission that adds more time which means you can show the movie less and so they get less money whatever that's that's why they don't like intermissions because like i can't show the movie more i I don't care about them going to the bathroom the cameo in this movie uh oh yeah <laughs> that's incredible yeah that's the kind of that's just movie fucking magic when he pops his head out of the ground and yeah i don't know if i want to spoil that for anyone who hasn't seen it yeah that was a great yeah. moment oh my god and that was post intermission in that movie and it's like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> for somebody who doesn't like watch trailers or look at cast lists man to see that person on screen is like Whoa. i think they hit it for, i think they hit it from 
I think they hit it from everything. I think it was a genuine surprise to, yeah. They do they do the same thing <laughs> in like um, Interstellar with uh, a character. Yeah. Well, there you go, Damon. Yeah. There you go. I guess if you see Interstellar, but. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. So, but it's the same. It's Jared must Leto. Be well, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's but it, no, it's it's interesting as a filmmaker to use an actor as a surprise as opposed to a character, and I think that they're I think directors are aware sometimes when they want something interesting, they use a particular actor to you know people recognize the actor and then that's part of the fun. So, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, what you're saying is that it's not the character's name who pops out of the ground it's the right. actor you know what i mean yeah what's surprising yeah well that was like an interstellar where they're you know nolan talks about how people like matt damon and trust him you know just because they because you know what i mean and then he ends up betraying them and that that's why he cast matt damon is because people thought they could trust him so anyway there you go good pick all right, guys, grand finale time for you. You thought we had the same one, so apparently it takes a little bit to get to your one location on this one, but it's not The Hateful Eight. So what do you got? So the film we picked is from 2010, and it stars... As well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it stars James Franco, and it's the true story about a mountain climber named Aaron Ralston who goes mountain climbing in Utah, and then a boulder... Uh, traps his arm and so he's stuck there for several days and then eventually he cuts off his own arm to get to freedom and it's uh directed by danny boyle who we really like i don't even know where to start on this one <laughs> i get it's called 100 it's called 127 hours good morning everyone it's seven o'clock in Canyonland, usa Hey there, Aaron. Is it true? You didn't tell anyone where you were going. Oops. Oops. 127 Hours. A true story of survival against all odds. Rated R. Only in theaters. I think what's really interesting is that it's how do you take a single location like this and where your character can't even move and how do I make this as cinematic and interesting as possible? Because literally James Franco is in between two giant rock walls and his arm is pinned down and he can't move. And so I think that Danny Boyle is very chameleon-like and you know he makes so many different genres and especially in this he uses so many different like I'm going to say multimedia tactics to kind of tell the story. It's not all just basic coverage and stuff like that. Like, I think there's an amazing part where he's really thirsty and he's trying to think of like, where's the nearest source of water? And he's like, oh yeah, I left like a sports drink in my car. And so then we watch the camera go away from him, go a hundred miles an hour chasing along the ground into his truck. And then he imagines like a sports drink commercial of someone drinking it. And I think, you know, it's just a really interesting way to get into someone's mind because, you know, we learn these different flashbacks about his life and then, like, these flashbacks show up in the canyon with him. And he also does this interesting, like, three-way split um, with the screen uh, going on with that. And, you know, when I watch this, it's, you know, not a lot of films make me kind of emotional, but whenever I watch this film, there's this part where... Aaron Ralston's or J James Franco who's playing Aaron Ralston is talking and he's talking about how this rock um, has come from outer space and crashed on earth and his entire life 
has been moving towards this rock like getting stuck to this rock like that was his destination in his life and it's very like surreal and interesting to me and a very interesting take on life to think of it that way and uh i don't know i think it's just a really good emotional film and then you know it got kind of famous because during there's a scene where obviously he cuts off his arm and danny boyle does amazing sound design and camera work there's a part where he hits a nerve and like the soundtrack screeches and it makes everyone jump like their nerve has been hit and then you know you're seeing like inside the bone which is impossible and i don't know i just think it's a really good um emotionally technically and creative film so i don't know what jake has to say about it yeah i mean he he's you know boyle is taking out every trick in the book just because he knows he's he this he had he's stuck like you said he's stuck here what can i do to keep the movie interesting what can i do to keep the frame visually interesting and still hold on to an emotional core still hold on to james franco's like really good performance and he just threads this incredible needle in that movie and yeah i i I agree i think it's i think it's great i think it might be you know his best movie in, in some ways so yeah. And it also has a really great title reveal as well. The title doesn't show up till he gets stuck and it shows up on the screen and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> the timer hasn't started yet. Yeah. Yeah. I totally just didn't even think about this one when I was coming up <laughs> with my list. It might've made it. One of the things I like about this show is firsts, And I think this is the first time ever somebody's had a list with two three number titles on there because <laughs> right. you got 127 hours and 247 degrees yeah that's amazing we, we should have done um, eight meters down or whatever that 47 that, meters short, down yeah. 47 meters down we could have kept going oh <laughs> uh, well jake you were right dude we uh we did not have that's any right. crossover we had all all 10 films man that's that's amazing uh, before we get into our honorable or dishonorable <laughs> mentions, let's go through uh, just our a recap our list real quick. And I will go ahead and start at number five. I had For the Sake of Vicious from 2021. At number four, I had Assault on Precinct 13, John Carpenter's classic. I had uh, David Fincher's Panic Room at number three from 2002. I had Alfred Hitchcock's Rope at number two. And then I had The Hateful Eight as my number one spot. Oh, my gosh. What did, I'm not going to get the dates right, but we had The Cube, the made-for-TV uh, Jim Henson movie from 69. We had Frozen, the Adam Green movie from 2010. We had 247 Degrees from nobody really knows that when that, when that come out. Uh, 2000, 2011. We had Cube from 1997 and 127 Hours from the man Mr. Boyle in 2010. Same year as Hateful Eight, I guess. So good number of years right there this is a great list i love all these movies you know i think this is such a cool genre that for filmmakers to play around in i agree i agree we had like some really established filmmakers we've got picks from real uh, indie filmmakers so kind of runs the the whole gamut there now i know you guys had some honorable mentions some some picks that weren't (laughs) mentioned yet what was what was on the uh the discard pile for you um i well another one that's kind of like the sauna there's this movie called 12 feet deep um with these two sisters who are trapped in a pool and the pool and then jigsaw what's his bucket what's that guy's name kelvin bell kelvin bell shows up and like and and shuts the pool so they're trapped in the pool so that one's not so great but uh there you go there's another uh one that i think 
that if there's the, a, 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 a big liner comes over the top of the pool. So they're like, they have two feet of air and stuck in the pool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uh yeah. And then uh, if you're looking for, I, if you're looking for something crazy and fun, um, there's this 2018 movie called the pool, which is about a guy who's a pool cleaner. And then he gets trapped in a big industrial pool with an alligator or a crocodile or whatever. And that was super fun. <laughs> I would definitely uh, drink while watching that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. I, yeah, Jake. I have a few. So uh, some our producers, one of them is a filmmaker. He made a movie called Subject, which is a horror movie about a guy stuck kind of in a uh, observation room prison. That's really good. And then Ryan Kwan, who was in our movie, was in a movie called Glorious, where he's uh, all in a rest stop bathroom talking to God through a glory hole. Uh, the Fall, that's a movie that came out not too re- long ago about the women stuck at the top of the uh, giant antenna. I think that kind of maybe is going to resurge the single location thing because that's getting two sequels. It just got announced. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, which is crazy. Uh, buried, buried isn't fad. That's the Ryan Reynolds one. You could kind of see that they were trying to do it. They were really trying to do a Hitchcock thing. And I think Ryan Reynolds really wanted to have like a prestige movie under his belt. But, you know, I think it's not bad for what it is. Um, it's got, it's got good. Um, it's smart about the lighting. Cause I think a lot of these, um, yeah. single location films don't know how to progress the story. Um, without changing the location it all looks the same and to break it up it has like glow sticks and lights from his phone and then actual like matches and stuff so the color of the box that he's in changes and i think that's smart that's Uh, ryan reynolds stuck he's buried alive in that movie and it never leaves the casket yeah and he came out of that casket and said i'm not doing any more prestige movies i'm just gonna be a billionaire who never goes away in, in everything. <laughs> I'm just gonna own soccer clubs and make the Green yeah, Lantern. I'm gonna own a phone. I'm gonna own a phone company. We mentioned. I think we. I think we mentioned like ATM, and I don't know if we mentioned Shyamalan's Devil. Um, he didn't some other... direct that, but oh, he didn't direct that, but he no. was. He sure wanted you to think he did, and he got o- my ass. Yeah, all over the poster. Oxygen is on Netflix. That's kind of a a bear, update to Buried. She's kind of stuck in a futuristic coffin. It's fine. It's not super great, but. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I hope they keep making these these movies, and it's fun. I do, too. I got a couple of uh, honorable mentions that were not mentioned yet. Um, the outfit from just a couple of years ago was a really, really fun like crime. Uh takes place in like, the 1930s, and it all takes place in this tailor's shop. Right. That oh, is yeah. real good. I remember. I, I didn't see that, but I remember seeing of that, so I'll have to check that out. You should you should watch that one. I highly recommend that one. That was on my list until uh, like a couple of hours ago. Nice. Um, the Breakfast Club all takes place in one location, the high school. Uh, so I considered that one, but it felt like the high school felt too big to. Consider I wouldn't. I really wouldn't like have let that slide. Location. Dude, I would have been like, for, no. for what movie? <laughs> Breakfast Club. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. 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 And that was the same thing with like the Longest Yard. All takes place in the prison, pretty much, but it's so big that like it does feel like different yeah. areas. Um. So I didn't include that. Don't Breathe, I think, is a really, really fun mm. horror movie where <laughs> these kids yeah. break into a blind man's house, and that one's really fun. Yeah. And then the last one I wanted to mention is The Invitation. Oh, my yes. God. all takes place at a dinner Oh, party. my God. Why did we use that one? <laughs> I would have I talked the <laughs> shit out of that movie. <laughs> yeah, so good. That, oh, uh, yeah. Wow. One of the greatest endings that great I've seen ending. in a long time. That has a great ending. Red light. Uh, 
yeah logan marshall green and uh that yeah that's a yeah watch that <laughs> watch the invitation yeah. i think there might be multiple films called the invitation but it's the one with uh logan marshall green and it's like a wine glass broken it's like the the poster or whatnot i remember yeah. i'm gonna get in trouble for this i remember uh we had all our filmmakers friends and we somehow got like an early copy of it or something and like nobody's told me what it was and they like it was like movie night and they put it in we watched it knowing nothing and we were like whoa this is so cool <laughs> yeah no that's got a great um uh, that has a really good chilling line where um you know i don't want to ruin it but uh there's a line where he says like they're only people and that really struck a chord with me um in the situation that he's in and what they're trying to do and i was like that's that's dark and interesting but yeah that movie's awesome we got to do some some plugs here so obviously we want people to go see the movie uh headcount you can rent it you can buy it digitally right now anywhere you can rent uh movies you can find headcount correct yeah it's yeah, just Google it. You'll find it. Don't worry about it. Amazon, Apple, Redbox. 2023. Uh, iTunes. You might have to add 2023 or Berghart to it. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't watch the don't watch the one that with the aliens. That's not what? the right one. You you can watch <laughs> well, Yeah, I was going to say use use the link that I put in the show notes. To be clear, on IMDb, we named our our short film Headcount. They made Headcount, and we made Headcount. So any Anybody says we stole their name, they stole it from us. So even though oh there's other God. headcount movies, but we're the modern era. We had it first. <laughs> I had a little bit of trouble finding it at, at first. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Just use my link to, to watch this movie. Perfect. Oh, thank um, God. And then anything else that you want people to be directed towards or anywhere you want them to go to see you on social media or websites or anything I like mean, that? I mean, I think at this point, if, they, what, if anybody w- watches it, just leaving a nice review on on letterboxd or imdb or amazon anywhere you can this is you know such a small movie we didn't we didn't uh we weren't in any film big film festivals so just trying to get the word mouth out is is what's helpful for us yeah awesome and then uh question is there going to be a physical media release for this like are we are we going to see a blu-ray at some point november 15th it comes out on dvd and that has a director's commentary and some behind the scenes and it has the original short film um we're working on a blu-ray hopefully but for now you'll have to settle for dvd (laughs) the the director if if ben and i's kind of spastic conversational style is 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 tolerable our director's commentary for that movie is pretty cool and we get into a lot of the details of how we pulled everything off for the time and budget we had and it's it's fun to watch with the commentary too. Director's commentaries are by far my favorite special feature on physical media, so I will be looking forward to that. Nice, great. And that about wraps up episode one thirty four of the Force Five podcast. Make sure to hit up the show notes for the correct link to headcount and more, including the Berghardt social media links and everything Force Five related as well. Before you go, take a minute to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Getting the word out about Force Five is the only way that this show grows. Intro and outro bumpers come courtesy of Nate Spears. The top five list bumper was produced by me with music from Audio Binger. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and go watch some movies that take place in one location. Happy Thanksgiving, list nerds.